This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Talking about just the brain is not enough when talking about trauma. Every person on the planet has experienced some form of trauma, whether that be the little T traumas or big T traumas. After gathering historical pieces from her clients, Ashley Fredericks began to ask questions about family and relational dynamics, as well as any adversarial life experiences along the way. They talk about triggers, core beliefs about self and others, and also the ways in which to access connection to the inner child. The practice of yoga in Ashley's own life has been highly beneficial, which is what prompted her to specialize in trauma healing married with yoga. Valeria interviews Ashley Fredericks. She is a licensed social worker working on her clinical licensure at Rerooted Counseling based in Denver, Colorado. Ashley has her master's in social work from Denver University. Her background in teaching trauma-informed yoga is helpful in the work that she provides as a therapist. Ashley has a background working with a variety of populations, including the juvenile justice system, community mental health, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, victims of interpersonal violence and trauma survivors. Ashley's specialty as a therapist is in anxiety, depression, and trauma. Meet Ashley at integrated-experiences.com and Instagram at integrated.experiences. Here is the interview with Ashley Fredericks. In your own words, who is Ashley Fredericks? Oh, wow. Um, so I've gotten this question so many times throughout my career in social settings, you know, asking myself even these questions. And I feel like every time I get this question, I get this kind of ugh, pit in my stomach, like, ah, who am I? <laughs> and I think, you know, it's hard, you know, to feel like there's a concrete answer because I think that it sometimes can feel much more complicated than that. But you know, since, you know, I've gone through many versions of myself throughout many phases of my life, um, the more that I learn, the more that I listen to myself and others and understand even, even more about myself. And so, you know, the hats that I wear by training, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a trauma-informed yoga instructor. Um, I'm a trauma therapist, social worker. I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, partner, friend, teacher, a student, um, and kind of underneath that, you know, a human who has complex emotions, who makes mistakes, who feels deeply 
um, is compassionate, listener, um, open to new ideas. Um, but I think even kind of greater than that, you know, the things that, that set my soul on fire is having meaningful connections, um, you know, learning and being inspired and <laughs> going on adventures with my pups and my partner and, you know, quiet moments and nature and movement. I mean, those are some things that really, really kind of light my spirit up. <laughs> One of my final questions to all my guests, pretty much, is about experiences that you wish everyone to have before they die. And I hear over and over and over and over again the answer of love, loving someone and being loved by them. That deep connection, human connection, it's so important. And that's, it's such a big piece. I mean, especially when it comes to connection and, and you know, the work that I do with trauma healing um, is, is all about connection. You know, it's, it's like we need to, we're, we're, we're made for human connection and we need that, that connection to feel close and to feel bonded and to feel um, really safe in our environments. Um, but first, you know, it kind of, it relates to that connection that we have to ourselves as well. Not to mention that the connection with animals is just incredibly beautiful too. Yes. Boy, yes. I have a dog and, and I feel that, that it's easier to just be myself completely with him <laughs> than with my husband. <laughs> Isn't that yes. funny? <laughs> yes, exactly. And they're there and they don't, you know, talk back and you don't have to like uh, yeah. <laughs> show up in a certain way. They just love you and it's like, it's all good. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Is that because of unconditional love, Ashley, that we feel in the presence of animals? Absolutely. It I, is. I absolutely yeah. feel that. <laughs> and I sometimes I wonder if we can find that with humans too. I know some of us can and have done and it is engaging in this moment with unconditional love. But it's a challenge, isn't it? It is a challenge. Um, and and I think that that, I mean, it relates to the, the work that I do with trauma, you know, trauma healing too. It's, you know, it's how do we, and I, I talk a lot um, with my clients about, you know, how, what is the historical pieces of, you know, the way that you have attached to a caregiver, you know, what are some maybe implications as a child, the way that you grew up, the way that you experienced the world and the narratives that come out from that experience. And, you know, when it comes to those, you know, and I, I talk a lot with clients about, um, you know, attachment and attachment wounds and all of these things, it can be really hard when you have these narratives around, you know, you know, is my one of my caregivers going to show up for me? Or do I have to rely on myself? You know, do I need to kind of develop these um, protective mechanisms or defense mechanisms as a way to, um, you know, show up? And so, you know, of course, you know, the way that we see those those narratives as children and that the things that we learn there get translated into the way that we show up in in any relationship moving forward. It's so powerful how it works, the brain, the mind, and then the body, because we know that trauma changes the brain, right, Ashley? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we also know that the brain can 
change again, kind of Mm -hmm. wire itself again in a positive way. That's interesting. The question that I often ask to therapists and people like yourself is, do we actually get to the point of becoming trauma-free and completely healed from those initial imprints from childhood? Mm -hmm. Is that possible? You know, from from just kind of my experience as a therapist, but kind of doing my own inner work and journey with that, you know, I don't think that narratives completely go away. I think that there there needs to be work along the way that kind of help with narratives. And of course, you know, there's there's medications you could take and all of these other things that you can do related to, you know, like PTSD and stuff like that. But, you know, there's there's so many other ways and, and strategies to help with self-regulation because really that's that's what that is it's recognizing that there's these triggers that are happening and the way that I show up and the way that I'm interacting with others and interacting with myself and the stories that I'm telling myself and so with some of that you know being able to kind of regulate the nervous system is such a huge piece of that um and, and it takes a lot of kind of effort and training and practice to do that um, because it doesn't just come, you know, from two or three therapy sessions or, you know, you know, doing a couple breathing exercises here and there. But it really takes this kind of dedicated practice, you know, through things like yoga and, yeah. <laughs> and movement and, and things like that. Another question that came to me is... When it comes to regulation, regulating the nervous system, as you speak, that for me has been very interesting to notice that there's no narratives anymore. I don't hear those stories in my head, but I do. The body is still being triggered by the presence of some people and, oh, I can't help it. (laughs) I stay with it, the body, (laughs) and I'm aware of it. But it's interesting because I've been through a lot of uh, abuse, emotional abuse and physical abuse as a child. So that is uh, interesting to watch, that it's the body doesn't let go. It has not yet. And that's why I asked the question, will it ever let go, the body? Mm -hmm. Because it, it was so powerful, the experiences that it's still here. It's holding on to it (laughs) in a more kind way these days. It's not as painful as it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's really, so I do a lot of like, are you familiar with EMDR? Yes. Yeah. So um, I do a lot of EMDR and that, that's kind of what you're talking about, right? So it's getting from kind of that mind stuff moving its way, you know, into recognizing what's happening in my body, you know, and also seeing that, you know, what, what is showing up when I'm getting these triggers Um, and then being able to uh, desensitize through that. So that no longer is it this feeling that's so triggering, unbearable, I can't manage this. And then it becomes just this, you know, it's almost as if you can kind of see what's happening on a movie screen and it's no longer this really, really intense. You might feel that, right? You might still feel that, um, you know, anxiety. You might feel that kind of buzzing in the body or you might feel, you know, any of those sensations. And kind of earlier, you know, when I was mentioning you that question of who am I? I was like, Ooh, I got that pit in my stomach. You (laughs) know, it's like, that's exactly kind of that same kind of connection, right. 
to kind of what's happening internally and how to, you know, EMDR is just one way of doing that. But I mean, there's so many ways, right? Through breathing, breathing is, is really helpful um, because that's something that helps to calm down the nervous system, bringing it back into that parasympathetic state, not in that like fight or flight, you know, oh, I'm getting, yeah. <laughs> getting attacked by a bear in the woods, <laughs> that kind of a thing. <clears throat> EMDR, I heard about it and that would be a very nice experience to have. I adopt a lot of um, spiritual practices in order to heal I know some people, they choose therapy. I have done a lot of therapy too, in, in different ways, body therapy. I do Reiki sometimes. But I have chosen spiritual knowledge for some mm -hmm. reason. So I guess um, the question is, do you also integrate spirituality to your work, Ashley? Yeah, and I think, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and you know, talking about what spirituality is can be really kind of tricky, right. you know, because, yeah. you know, there's, that's when you can get into the conversations around, you know, religion. It can get into the conversations about, you know, sometimes even just recognizing that connection from to self, um, connection to something, to others, connecting to something much larger than yourself. And for some people that can be really challenging, you know, to be able to to identify, you know, what is that? And, and feeling, you know, when you add in the mental health and the depression and stuff, you know, spirituality can be a big tool in that for sure. Um, and so when it comes to kind of just doing my own, um, you know, practices with spirituality, it's, it's uh, I, meditation is, has been a huge thing. Um, just moments of taking time for that quiet for myself um, when I'm recognizing that, you know, maybe there's a lot of things happening around me and, and there's a lot of things kind of moving through my body that, that are feeling really activated. So how can I bring myself back to me? And I think that, that I do that through, through yoga. I do that through meditation. I do that through running. I'm a big runner. I love running, um, hiking with my dogs, my partner, <laughs> um, and just kind of nature too. And I think that that's another layer to kind of what spirituality means for me personally is how do I connect with myself? And I feel like being outside is something that really, really does that for me. For me, it really helps because the body's still being triggered by certain things. It helps me to kind of see and know that everything is divine. And then remembering that in that moment kind of helps a lot because the heart opens yeah. and then everything becomes manageable, per se. The body relaxes to somewhat to the point of being able to interact and, and it's not a problem. Yeah, with movement. I mean, that's like such a big piece for me in just, you know, like you're saying, that same feeling of like, I'm feeling really closed. I feel like, like I can't, you know, communicate with others and I'm feeling all those things. And that's that's a big, big piece, you know, when we talk about that trauma. Um, you know, trauma, trauma does kind of shut off that part of our brain that makes it really challenging to communicate. You know, so oftentimes, you know, and I connect that to, you know, the chakra system in yoga where, um, you know, the, the throat chakra, you know, you might get this lump in your throat or feeling like really, really tight and restricted in your in your chest and in the back of the heart. 
Um, and so, you know, that can be kind of signs right there that, you know, that maybe I'm having a trauma response here. Maybe I'm having or maybe I'm reacting to something that maybe I don't have conscious awareness of yet. What inspired you to do what you do today, Ashley? It's been a journey. Let's just say that. Um, so I, m my mom is a therapist. Um, so I guess maybe some influence. I'll, I'll give my mom credit there. Yeah. <laughs> Even though maybe my high school sophomore is like, no, no. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. But mm. uh, from there, uh, I kind of was just taking general classes and uh, decided to move out to Hawaii and switch my major after like, I'm not doing what my mom is doing. Um, <laughs> and it moved out to Hawaii and decided to, uh, pursue marine biology, which very different. <laughs> um, and then from there, um, just kind of realizing, you know, math, chemistry and math are not my strong suits. Is this really the career choice that I want to do? Um, but I think kind of on that deeper level there, um, being in Hawaii was kind of just like you're talking about kind of that spiritual experience that I had out there um, and really connecting to myself again um, and feeling, uh, yeah, going through the challenges of moving away from home for the first time and, and some of those things and um, how scary at times it was, but at the same time, knowing that, that I have myself there too. Um, and so through that and through connecting with other people, um, that's when I really started picking yoga back up. Um, and yoga was the thing that I always had to go to kind of in that whole process of just who am I, right? That question, like you asked in the beginning. Um, and so from that experience, I, I decided to come back to Colorado and, um, and get my my degree in social work <laughs> um, and just this this feeling of kind of connection that I had when kind of like being being with friends and family and kind of talking about these layers you know I think I'm a very kind of deep I've always been a deep thinker and kind of looking at things on kind of a deeper level and so um, kind of making meaning and understanding of kind of what is what is my role and what is kind of the role of everyone else and what are we really here for, you know? And so having kind of that shared, that shared, um, meaning and, and life experiences is kind of, is really fascinating to me. And I think that, um, just, yeah, that meaningful, meaningful connection is important. <clears throat> and I love the way, in a way, what the experience was connecting to yourself and then now connecting to others. And then I wonder if self-regulation has something to do or everything to do with self-trust. Does it, Ashley? Yeah, I personally believe that absolutely. I think, you know, but first it's having that awareness and developing insight into what is happening to be able to regulate what's happening in, in the body and being able to regulate all of those things to be able to, to feel open and connected. Um, and for me, you know, that's running, it's yoga, it's all those things. And for other people, you know, there's so many different ways and tools and strategies and, and things that, that kind of, um, 
that make people feel more connected to self. So the process is uh, awareness. It's knowing what's happening first, <laughs> becoming yeah. body aware, and then uh, moving into trusting what we know. Mm -hmm. I love that process. I have to say that again. This takes courage, it seems to yeah. me, right? To commit to the healing work because it's not easy. Mm -mm. Yeah. And I think and what you said there was with trust, you know, and trust can be really hard when there was trust that was broken, you know, early on. Um, and, and especially moving into, you know, creating meaningful connections with others and being in relationship with people and, and all of that stuff, which can, you know, there's, there's triggers there too, you know, it's, becoming triggered by, you know, someone, you know, mirroring back to you those things in you that that are really challenging to see at times, but but also being able to stay, you know, you know, regulated in those moments when those triggers start to come up. Um and being able to communicate, you know, like we know with trauma that the part of the brain shuts down that that's associated with communication. It can be really challenging. Um, to do that. And so just doing that work of practicing how to communicate, asking for what you need, um, that can be really those really healing tools too, because connection is so important for, for humans. Yeah, I love that piece too, the communication part, because um, it seems like when I try to communicate from a place that's not trauma-informed, <laughs> that's nothing to do with trauma, it's kind it's understanding. It's almost like an adult. You know, we have a child and then the adult. It feels like someone's the father, the mother speaking in me. And it's yeah. not the child. And it's so different. There's a very different voice. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and, and I talk to clients and we I do this work a lot is kind of exploring what are these pieces that feel really triggering. So pieces in, in childhood that you know, created a response of, oh, I feel less than, um, I feel unworthy, I don't feel seen, I don't feel heard. I mean, these narratives that run deep. So being able to recognize those core beliefs that we have about ourselves, but also recognizing the core beliefs that we have about other people um, and the way that we see other people, like maybe, you know, I can't trust others. Um, I can't, believe that people are, you know, others are going to be there for me if I, if I need something, you know, those kind of narratives can run really deep. And so, um, recognizing how that shows up and those oftentimes come from that, that inner child, that place that, you know, what does that child need in that moment? Okay. We need to be seen, <laughs> need to be heard. We need to be held, you know, maybe kind of even offering, you know, some guided meditations throughout, um, my sessions with inner child of let's connect with that inner child. Let's really get to know what that child needs. As you speak, it's almost speaking to my inner child. <laughs> it's listening. It is listening, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. And you really do ah, kind of have to step into that role of like, you know, here's my adult self and it's here and it's got you and we're there, you know, and and that's the work there too, is is recognizing where are these these beliefs coming from. Is that 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 inner child who needs something, who's screaming for support and love and understanding, or is it this adult version who can console 
or be there or give a give this inner child a little hug or you know bring this inner child to go get some ice cream <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> i feel safe i love the way you are Add meditation to your work, yoga. That is so wonderful. Of course, I have seen other therapists doing that too, but I love your enthusiasm for it too. It's, uh, it comes <laughs> across like it's you love helping others. That's beautiful. Thank you for being you, Ashley. Yes, thank you. <laughs> what do you feel is the purpose of the human experience? Why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it it all goes back to that connection um, in, in finding kind of in making meaning out of our experiences and creating, you know, a life that that we can feel excited about, a life that we can feel, you know, proud of. Um, it's it's establishing that that balance of, of life and um yeah, and being able to ultimately, you know, connect to self so that we can connect with others. And I love when I'm able to notice or experience even the um, vulnerability in others, in myself and others. It's such a powerful way of perceiving reality. Mm-hmm. It really gets to the core of what this whole experience is all about, as you said, connection and meaningful connections. That's when I look, like sometimes I look at my husband and I see some things that he doesn't know, <laughs> you know, like, oh my God, I wish he would go deeper <laughs> into some of these things. And and I feel like so much compassion for him. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the word I guess I can use. I usually don't use the word compassion that much, but it's there's a feeling that I can't describe. It's almost like feeling connected to myself enough to kind of experience him being free before he even knows he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. If I keep putting words in, into it. Yeah. And, and I feel the exact same way kind of with my partner. And, and I think that, you know, m- my partner and I have done a lot of work on just ourselves, but together to be able to to come together to recognize, you know, where are these wounds and how do we show up in the world? And, and um, how do we impact each other or maybe trigger each other? And on that deeper level, it's, it's how, how do we relate? You know, really, it's, it's not just, and I think I've had to learn this more than he has, but it's not just me and my world and kind of just like going along, you know, as this little protective mechanism that steps in, but rather coming together as a team. Um, and it's, you know, when problems come up, it's, it's, uh, you know, how can me and you come together with this problem? It's us against the problem, not me versus you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so right. I think that those right. kinds of things, but also recognizing that there are triggers that, that our partners will trigger us in, um, and how do we, how do we navigate those triggers to be able to move forward while also having kind of that really deep, like you're saying, that really deep love and really deep compassion for another person. It's the most amazing experience to have. Yeah. Because it is almost like experiencing their reality through your mm-hmm. own lens, but it's not just your own. It's uh, everything's connected already. So it's a challenge to put into words, but it's the most amazing experience <laughs> to, to know that we're all connected anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, right? Absolutely. Even when there's triggers, even when there's things that are really challenging, 
thing. There's there's also this shared humanity there too. Yes, right. In in feeling separate as well. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen on your website you offer many kinds of services: therapy, all levels, flow with Ashley. That's yoga classes. You offer private group yoga classes, experiential mm-hmm. therapy, therapeutic groups, trauma informed yoga classes, COVID nineteen and therapy. Do you also offer services for therapeutic or services for couples that has to do with relationships? No, um, no, not, not so much. Um, you know, I think that it can be really challenging to, you know, kind of merging those two worlds because there's a very specific, uh, training that you have to go through oh, to do yeah. couples work. Right, um, right. and I think, you know, if you don't understand kind of the systems or the, the backgrounds under that, there can be a lot of damage that can be oh, done yeah. when it comes to doing couples work, you know, not, not trained as a couples therapist, but, um, but no, but I do a lot of, um, you know, we, I talk about relationships a lot with clients because that's, that comes Mm -hmm. up a lot. Mm, Um, but it also comes up with just triggers and how, how these triggers manifest in, um, in, in their relationships. (laughs) Right. Um, and how to, how to manage your own kind of internal state. When talking about relationships, it goes back to the individual anyway. Like yeah. we need to do our own work separately mm-hmm. in yeah. order to come together in this healing journey. It yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. I was curious about the experiential therapy. Talk to me for a moment about that, Ashley. Yeah. So I haven't done a whole lot of experiential therapy um, recently, but I was in my internship, I was working at a community mental health center, um, working with um, women who have experienced interpersonal um, violence. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that we were doing in there is um, like finding activities, kind of little games. So it was a big group that we had. Um, and it's just women kind of sharing experiences and connecting on, you know, maybe these, these shared experiences with, with violence and things like that. Um, but also, um, being able to take these games into, you know, how, how do we show up in these games and in these, uh, experiences that we do? So that might be, you know, when I was in grad school, you know, we went to a ropes course and we did, um, you know, how to to conquer fears and how to kind of move through challenges or when things feel unstable, if you're on a hike and you're stepping on rocks that are unstable, you know, how to take that into that debrief process um, afterwards of what was that experience like for you? You know, when we, we did that game, you know, about, I'm trying to think about, you know, very specific games that we've done, but, but kind of in using games, um, activities, experiences as a way to, um, really feel what that experience feels like. So, um, so yeah, like how do I trust other people? (laughs) You know, if I'm, if I close my eyes and someone tells me to go, you know, walk five steps to the right, you know, what is my inner narrative that's happening? And chances are, I mean, that can be related to, um, you know, if you feel this hesitation, it's like, Ooh, you know, there, there's trust stuff there that it's really hard for me to trust people. It's really hard for me, you know, when my partner was saying, you know, take five steps to the right for me to actually you know, do that because I was like, oh, but I want to do five steps to the left or I want to like 
I want to keep my eyes open during this exercise. And so it's just all about noticing how experiences show up because kind of in that same sense of, you know, the way that we show up one way is kind of how we show up in many ways throughout our lives. Yeah, I have a question about when it comes to your services also about the trauma-informed yoga classes. Do you offer them in person, online? So I, right now, so I'm working at um, a yoga studio. It's right kind of in my <laughs> office area. Um, but so it's uh, Rishi's yoga studio. And so I teach classes, you know, like seven seven thirty in the morning on Thursdays. But um, I apply elements of trauma-informed yoga. Um, I'm not having any current trauma-informed yoga classes um, right now, but I'm hoping to get some workshops and stuff set up here in the future, maybe in the next few months or something like that. Let's talk for a moment about the, we probably have already been talking about all these triggers and the vagus nerves. <laughs> it just that sounds very scientific. <laughs> Most people don't know what that is. So what is the vagus nerve and what is its uh, function? Yeah. So the vagus nerve is, there's two parts of it. Um, and it's kind of associated with the autonomic nervous system, the part of our um, nervous system that is associated with that fight or flight response. Um, and that's, that's that dorsal, that part of the dorsal vagus nerve. And that's the nerve that runs kind of um, throughout the face, it runs through the throat and then the neck and down into the heart, the organs, the lungs, the stomach straight down there, you know? So, um, when you become activated or when there's something that is a, you know, perceived threat, let's say, okay, a bear in the woods. Okay. That's like a real threat, but if there's a perceived threat, um, you know, that your nervous system is associated with a specific trauma, you know, that part of the nervous system can get activated, which is why you experience, um, you know, your heart racing. That's why you experience shallow breathing. That's why you get that kind of butterflies in your tummy um, when you, you know, kind of face flushing, that kind of stuff, because the vagus nerve is all associated with that, that fight or flight response. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's just, it's really interesting when you kind of <laughs> start and that's about kind of recognizing what, what am I noticing in my body? Um, and that's, that's where I do a lot of work with clients on identifying, okay, if my, if I'm noticing my heart racing really fast, let's notice what that looks like. Let's notice maybe the shapes or the, the size of it, or, um, maybe the textures of that and seeing if it is this, is this shape changing in some way or, is it staying stagnant? The blog post you sent me that outlined 10 ways to improve the vagal tone. Is that the same thing, Ashley, the vagal tone? Um, so there's something called heart rate variability. Um, and that's kind of just the heart, um, you know, like heartbeats, like how much space is between each heartbeat. Um, and so by strengthening the vagal tone um, is ultimately, you know, there's tools and strategies that you can use, such as, um, you know, in yoga, there's there's chanting that is going to be stimulating and activating that vagus nerve that runs through the throat. Um, singing. Um, trying to think of some other ones, kind of just self, some of those self-regulation um, strategies, breathing, those things are going to help create more space between each heart rate. So creating more strength in this heart rate variability. Um, and so, uh, 
yeah, so by doing that and, and strengthening that, um, you're kind of helping train the nervous system to, when activated, self-regulate and, and slow things down, um, also also known as resilience. I love them all. All these practices, these ways to improve the vagal tone, <laughs> if I can pronounce correctly. So goggling is one of them too. I was surprised at that. Yeah. And again, that's that, the, it's running through kind of the throat area, you know, so it's going to be stimulating that, that nerve there. Um, yeah. So with the yoga, you actually get a lot of that uh, covered, a lot of those ways to improve, to prove it. So singing, the chanting, and then also the breath Om. work. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, breath work. Um, and then laughter, you've been, I mean, that's another one. <laughs> yeah, and that's just, and that's also just that connectivity piece, you know, be feeling connected to other people. Yeah. Which is going to downregulate the nervous system and, and bring you back into that parasympathetic state rather than activated sympathetic. <laughs> I love them all. I'm going to try the gargling. I'll try that one because <laughs> laughter, my husband's very good at it. I think we're covered with the yoga. I'm you covered. Play. <clears throat> play, right, right. Uh, fish oil is another one that I saw here on the list. Fasting, cold showers. This is a tough one. I don't think I would engage <laughs> in cold showers, but... Ah, I heard that's very, very good for you. And why is that, Ashley? Yeah, so it's the same concept. So when you're, you practice yoga, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So have you ever had that experience when you're, you know, maybe in warrior two for super long or you're in chair pose or something that's really, really challenging, even pigeon pose, um, and you're kind of getting that sensation of, oh my gosh, I want to get out of this <laughs> yeah. pose. This is so yes. hard. Uh. Um, so, you know, and then getting guided through, how do I breathe right now through this place that is really challenging? Mm. And yeah. ultimately, it's the same concept as the cold showers. So when there is, um, you know, something that's really challenging, how do I allow myself and train myself, my vagus nerve, um, to be able to, to downregulate when things feel distressing, stressful? Um, but again, it goes back to that self-awareness piece of, you know, what, what are my tendencies when I'm activated? Do I shut down? Do I just say, screw it, I'm getting out of this pose, I'm not doing this? <laughs> yes. Is it... Um, you know, and that's, that's how, you know, when we're talking about that heart rate variability, those are one ways to increase that again, resilience, you know, how do I train myself to sit with the discomfort, even when it's hard? Sometimes we get too intellectual, don't we? And we just try to understand everything. And then we say, yeah, I understand. I get it. <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> it takes practice <laughs> yeah. to really understand. Yeah, sure. whatever Absolutely. it is. The other blog post that you sent me, that has to do with the conversation we have been having too about triggers and emotions. The title is, Let Your Triggers Be Your Teacher. That says it all, almost like it's a, it's a beautiful statement about emotions, triggers being our guide to wisdom and to health and well-being. Some passages caught my attention where it says, emotions change the chemistry of both the brain and the body. And then also this one here, the section says, it's not 
that triggers are bad, they actually give us an opportunity to observe and reflect, which enables us to heal. It's simple, but so difficult at the same time. That's paraphrasing what I read in that article. And then another piece that uh, caught my attention says, our reaction is literally below our awareness. Our reaction is literally below our awareness. That caught my attention, which I would love to hear from you, um, your understanding of that. Mm. So our reaction is below our awareness. I'm trying to think of what section that was under. Um, so, yeah, so sometimes there can be kind of those automatic responses that happen um, in the nervous system, you know, so bringing it back to, you know, triggers. So, you know, I might be frustrated with my partner and just say something out of, you know, very reactionary place, right? Um, and that that oftentimes comes from that place of trauma right away. And so it's hard, you know, to to be in that moment and regulate when um, when it's not in our conscious awareness yet. And we have to do the tools and strategies to work through um, managing our reactions, but also being aware of them in the first place. So reactions, yeah, a lot of times they come first and then we yeah. become aware of them. And trauma really heightens those reactions and trauma uh. really makes it harder to slow down from the place of feeling to reaction. And so that's where kind of this practice and the work of recognizing, noticing, seeing what's happening in the body and how that translates to action right. and behavior. Almost sounds like um, if we all do this work, <laughs> this reality would look so much different. It's almost mm -hmm. like we all become a therapist or enlightened <laughs> or monks. <laughs> we all like, right? <laughs> if we did the work. <laughs> and it can be really hard, you know, doing this work is not, not easy. It is not easy at all. Um, and especially when you add in, in layers of mental health too, you know, like depression, when there's when there's those layers of you know motivation to do things it can be really hard you know sometimes for people just to get up in the morning it can be really hard just to you know practice taking care of yourself or showering or you know th those things on kind of that level with with kind of th those chemical imbalances there with depression so it can be i mean it can be really really hard when you when you add in those layers um, um, that is so true yeah i interviewed somebody recently and he said i think he's writing a book now about that's titled medication or meditation that's like mm -hmm. a question when yeah. it's time to medicate and not to meditate or both that's a we need it all right in a way we need all the help we can get in a way yeah yeah in that article, there's also an outline on the steps to identify and learn from our triggers. And then there are three steps. Set an intention to see them first and then mm -hmm. get a journal or a notebook and then find the why. Would you like to add to that, Ashley, to those ideas? Yeah, I think journaling can be a really powerful tool. I, I journal, um, I think it was about a year ago, I was journaling every single day. Yeah, <laughs> it was just yeah. this kind of a little challenge yeah. with myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was journaling every day and I, I practiced a lot of that um, 
like stream of consciousness journaling. I don't yeah. know if I'm familiar with I that. Am. I am. Yes. Yeah. So I was, I was really just, you know, practicing some of that, but I think journaling can be really helpful to just being able to recognize, recognizing patterns that are happening over time, recognizing patterns with self, you know, recognizing how you're feeling, but you know, also seeing, you know, where are the, where are there places that maybe I'm, I'm missing because, you know, again, trauma can really kind of change the way that we see the world. It can kind of put this, this kind of black and white or kind of gray scale um, between you and everything else or you in the world, you know, maybe one, um, you know, perception can get a little bit off. And so journaling can really help, um, building some more perception around kind of what is what is fact and what is kind of just maybe an emotional reaction. Mm. And I wonder who really sees reality as it is, because we all have been influenced by mm -hmm. trauma. Like yeah. you say, I think it's small with the capital T or the little <laughs> T, but all of us have been through yeah. some sort of trauma. So mm -hmm. our lens are not as clear as it mm -hmm. could have been or yeah. could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is, it is that perception and it's all based on, you know, <laughs> way we grew up, you know, what did we, what did we learn from our parents? What did we see modeled for us? You know, what, how did we interact with our world and how did the world interact with us? And that, that can be in those, those little T traumas, which are those that, that are, you know, those small, small little things that really, have a big impact or, you know, those big T traumas, you know, talking about natural disasters, um, you know, abuse, sexual assault, car accidents. I mean, those, those are the big ones, but um, which can really kind of create those big, those, you know, heavy, heavy um, kind of perceptions there. Right. It can really blind us in so many ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah absolutely. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, <laughs> I would like to mention some of the books that you sent to me as inspiration for this conversation too, yeah. which has everything to do with what you've been saying. And those books were The Body Keeps the Score by Van Der Kork and then How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole Lepera. So would you like to add anything about these amazing books? Because I know the work behind the scenes here and how incredibly helpful they are too. Yeah, I think those are some really big books that have um, kind of helped me with my framework um, around how I see how I see things and especially The Body Keeps the Score. Um, you know, talking about yoga, talking about trauma, talking about how oftentimes it can be, um, you know, these experiences can kind of become lodged within the body um, based on, you know, our stress responses um, and how that's being sent to, to the muscles and, and uh, the way that we, the way that we show up there. Um, and then I think just doing, you know, the, the do, do your work or do the work, um, That is a book that I just recently picked up and um, I just started following her. She's Dr. Nicole, I think it's LaPera is pronounced, um, but she's on Instagram um, and she has a lot of really, really fun videos that, that kind of talk a lot about what we've been talking about today and how, um, um, how triggers can happen and our responses and, and all of these things kind of in, in real time, you know, how to, how to communicate things when things feel hard and and so I, I really I really appreciate her work um, and there's some journaling prompts and things that you can um, 
go go on to that book and, and kind of practice. So applying that to the journal, um, journal exercise before. I probably have those links if you wish to attach to your podcast profile. That might be a good idea because it is a suggestion, right, Ashley? <laughs> so my ending questions, I'll ask you two questions to end the conversation <laughs> today. What do you love most about being in the human body or being the human body? Hmm. I think our ability to experience the world <laughs> and, you know, through like the senses, um, really being able to, um, embrace, embrace the things, the little things, right. And, and helps, helps me gain an appreciation for the things that I do have and to be grateful for. And some of those things where maybe some people, you know, kind of don't have certain senses of, you know, taste, smell, <laughs> um, made me able to move the body, um, those places like that too. And my last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Mm, that's a good question. Hmm. I would say um, the ability to feel kind of emotional experiences, um, the ability to sit with those emotional experiences um, and really gain, gain an understanding from there. Um, and then using, using the body as a tool, um, whether that be yoga or movement, running, <laughs> any of those things, hiking, um, you know, even breathing. Breathing is there too. Using breath work as a tool to practice. That's three in one, right, Ashley, in a way. I mean, that's so much to unpack. <laughs> uh, what else can we say? Thank you so much again for your presence here today, for this beautiful enthusiasm that you show <laughs> toward helping others and doing the work, the healing work yourself. It's truly beautiful and precious. Thank you so much, Ashley. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your services, products, and future projects? So I, um, my website, which is www.integrated-experiences.com. And then on Instagram, it's integrated.experiences. I'll have those links on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ashley Fredericks and her work, please visit integrated-experiences.com and Instagram at integrated.experiences. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.